Welcome to Words of Aloha with Pastor Izzy Manzo of Amazing Grace Ministries International. We're headquartered in Kailua, Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii. Join us now as we get into God's Word. It's interesting because when we read on in this, in this text, we're going to find out that Jesus, he is so, like he does, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times this very night. Now, in Matthew's gospel, not here in Mark's gospel, where, by the way, where did Mark get all his info, this young man, John Mark? From Peter. Now, Matthew tells us that when Jesus told Peter that you're going to deny me. He said, when you once again turn, Peter, I want you to do something. Now, what did he say that? Do you, are the, are those of you that are familiar with the text, he said, when you once again turn, three things, blank, blank, blank. What, I'll give you the first one. Strengthen your brethren. So did Jesus know that Peter would once after he's denied him, that he would turn back to following the Lord. Yes. See, he knew this, and they don't portray Jesus in the History Channel like he knew anything. But Jesus knew even the subtlest little things, the motivations, the, the, the failures, the frailties of our own persons. And he even knew it before that these men knew it. And you know, I love to study the Scripture because it gives me, well, like the Bible says, the Scripture brings us great encouragement. It gives us great hope when we learn that God knows us better than we know ourselves, that He has a plan for us even after our failures, which He already foreknew, by the way. Don't ever let the devil get his way with you and start telling you, you're a failure, you shouldn't even bother going to church, you know. They probably can't use failures like you. You need to listen to today's sermon. Because if you have ever failed, I got news for you, so did Peter. And he ain't the only one in the group. He's just the one that gets the, 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 the spotlight on him. But see, the scripture is so complete. It has such a, a way of bringing out these things that God wasn't done with using Peter. But Peter was going to fail. And Peter's failure would be one that would even go down in the secular history books. There's a man named Josephus that writes about the, the days of the, uh, of the times of Christ. He was just a historian. Very dry read if you want to read it, but it's like this thick. and oh. Anyway, I waded through it. I don't know why. I just thought I wanted to see what, what did they say. And do you know that even Josephus recognized things about Jesus? The crowds that were drawn to him, the miracles what he completed. He, he noted some of those very things in his writings. He also noted something about Peter. He said that this Jesus, three days after he was buried, he rose. And this fellow named Peter, one of his followers, would, would go on to be a, a ringleader in this, this new faith, this, this way they called it, the way to God. If any man wants to come unto salvation, they would, they would cry out in the early church, Jesus is 
the way. You guys know John 14, 6, the way, the truth, the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. So the church began to be called the way, and Peter was noted by Josephus as one of the guys who actually was a ringleader, a prophet or whatever he, I can't remember the exact, you, someone, if you really want to dry read, find it for me. And um, Josephus, I'm not really worried about that. You just don't waste your time. Read the Bible. Okay, just, I'll just tell you the, the, the history notes. They said that they used to go around to this ringleader, this Peter guy, after Jesus rose. And they would go, cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> Josephus wrote this down. That the, that the general public would constantly do the cocking of a crow when they'd see this man approaching. Now, why would some people in the world, what, what do they gain from this? Isn't it like the world to point out our failures? You failed. You failed. Now, last week I pointed out, you know, as many times as they could fault Peter for denying the Lord that one time, that night, had a one night of weak lapsing. And by the way, I'll show you in the further in here in Gospel of Mark, He's going to have a trouble staying awake, too. That's another failure he has. But he isn't the only one falling asleep either, by the way. They, they all do. Yeah. But yet the world delights in our failure. They would even, Josephus would even write. He doesn't write. And yeah, Peter was the guy that was in the boat when there was a big storm and Peter got to walk on water. No, they don't mention that. Now, if I was Peter, I'd probably go, well, guys, I might have had one bad night, but I didn't see any of you guys walking on water. <laughs> Remember that? Hmm? You know, see, because the world likes to point out our failures and rub our nose in it, but they don't recognize the power of our God. And the power of our God, I want to point this out to you very clearly today in Mark 14. He, how many things are possible with our God? All things. But hold on to that just for a little bit in your mind. Just hold that thought that how many things are possible with God? All things. I need you to remember this because we're going to read a little bit further and we're going to see Peter's failure. But I want to show you somebody who knew that how many things are possible again? All things. That all things are possible with God. And the person who knows that in this text that we're going to study today. You read ahead, didn't you? She said it. It's Jesus. And it's something we need to know. Let me show you why. Because Jesus is about to face a cup of wrath that he will take to drink. A cup that he says, I don't even want to do it. Because he, he knows how brutal this cup will be. Just a sip would break any ordinary man but he's going to drink the whole cup for who us let me show you look down here with me at mark chapter 14 verse 32 it says and then they came to the place called gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here until i have prayed now gethsemane it's a it's an aramaic word it's um it's it's the uh literally breaks into two parts olive and press place where you press the olives that's the the place of gethsemane that's 
And, and if you go there, it's, it's on the Mount of Olives. It's at the base of the Mount of Olives. They bring the olives down the hill, press them in the press to make the olive oil. Now, I'm allergic to olive trees when they're in bloom. I like olives. I like olive oil. I'm Italian. You have to like this stuff. But, um, but the actual trees, when they go through a certain season, and why, I don't know why, but out of my five trips to Israel, it seems that every time we wind up going in the springtime, when it's going from winter to spring and the olive trees begin to blossom. And that's the time that really, you know, for those of you that don't know how bad it is when you have allergies, when those olive trees are in bloom, I cannot even, I tried one time, I was, I, they, the pastors I was traveling with, they said, you do this, the study on them by, by the Garden of Gethsemane, the, 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 um, the Mount of Olives there. I got there. I was so choked up. You guys would have thought I was on drugs or something. My eyes turned all red and swole shut, and my face was just puffy, and I, I, my nose is dripping just like a faucet. And it, the, 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 all the trees are in bloom. And these olive trees are not the little ones I'm used to, like in Arizona, that only been there for, you know, 10, 20 years. They're, they're you know, got a trunk like maybe 10, 12 inches around. No, th these, are, these are olive trees that have been in that garden for thousands of years. And the, and the trunks, you cannot even, we could get grown, grown men to stand and touch hands and reach, you know, like, hey, get, you get on that side, I'll get on this side. It would take three of us to make the, the, to reach around the trunk of a few of those trees that have been there from the days of Jesus. Now for me, I'm like, that would be cool, I get to go be right in the garden where I know Jesus was with his disciples. How cool is that? I get there and I'm <laughs> faces all <laughs> and I'm like, and they're telling me preach. I, I can't even breathe. I like literally felt like someone put a stack of 50 pound plates on my chest. Like I'm dying. I excused myself. I went up above the mount, got got upwind, sat there just trying to put water, wash my eyes. I could I was dying from the it was I was like, Lord, I'm in this place that you were here well you know of all the places this is like you came here to pray i want to pray too but i want i can't even breathe over there and you put me here i oh. had to defer to one other pastor you take it i can't i can't i can't even talk but i remember sitting there thinking lord you were here you were with your disciples you came here with them and you asked them to do one thing with you. Just stay here with me and do what? And pray. Keep watch and pray. Now, it says he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began praying that if it were possible that this hour might pass him by. For he was saying, Abba, Father. Abba is Hebrew for an endearing word, Daddy, we would say. You know, it's a, it's a personal, intimate. It's not, don't think of it like the title of Father in a title sort of way. Think of it as the relationship of dad dada is really the closest thing we have in english when a when a child first speaks those words they don't even say daddy just dada 
And then, and of course, as us parents, when that happens, we're like, oh, melt, right? Because they, there's, they know there's that connection. This is the word what Jesus cried out to his father. Abba, Dada, you know, you're my father. And then he says, Abba, Father, how many things are possible with you? All things are possible with thee. Gee, for a guy who doesn't know anything, he sure has a clue on spiritual matters. All things are possible with God. But he also has another clue that I just got to point this out last night to the college and career group. These young, young men and women that are on fire for the Lord wanting to know things to help them get through this life where they're at right now, the situations they're facing, the decisions they're trying to make for the course of their life. And though it was interesting, I asked them, how many things are possible with God? I told them I was going to be teaching you guys this this morning, so I get to give them a little bit of a preview of the message. And you know what their answer was? All things. They knew it. But they didn't know the next verse. The very next line of Jesus' prayer. Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. But here's what they didn't know. See, because the next line says, but not, what, what, what does it say here? You, you, could you take away this cup from me? But not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, but whose will? Your will. Now, he knows he's talking to the man who has all things that are possible with him. And he knows he's got to drink a cup that he doesn't want to drink. And he's even willing to ask, would you remove this cup? Could I pass on drinking it? I don't want to do it. Was his soul cool with this? What did it just say? His soul was in distress. He fell to the ground. He cried out, Abba, Father. All things are possible with you. Could you remove this cup? But not as I will. This is the part I get to point out to the kids last night. One thing Jesus knew that we forget is that God's will versus our will. Which one do you think is better? Which one do you think would work out best for you? See, because Jesus knew this. Even in his prayer, what cries out, God, could we pass on this whole crucifixion thing? I know what they're going to do to me. By the way, he did know that he was going to be beaten. He didn't know he was going to be mocked. He knew he was going to be killed. He even knew he was going to be crucified. Why do I say that? Because he told them. You read, the, you read right before he goes to riding on the donkey in the passage of the Gospel of Luke and in the passage of Matthew, and Jesus told his disciples, we have to go there because this is what they're going to do to me. They didn't like that. They're like, no, Lord, that's not good. And Peter said, Lord, God forbid, that's a terrible idea. And Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. 
You're not putting your mind on the interests of God, but on the interests of what? Of yourself, of man. You forgot the point. And so Peter, in this passage, here he is, listening to the prayer of Jesus. And if he could be, somebody had to hear this, to pass it on to Mark, so Mark could write it. Now, who do you think heard what Jesus prayed? Had to be Peter. And Peter would be the one. We're studying him on, uh, on Tuesday night, our Tuesday night study. And on Tuesday night, uh, I want to show you at the end his, of his very last chapter of the, uh, the last letter, what he writes that we have in the Bible. Second Peter, chapter 3. We're going to see the view of how he views this life and this world as Jesus has made clear to Peter that he, his time of his departure is at hand, Peter has some words to tell us. Some things he wants us to know that will help us carry on strong in our faith. But he learned these things, I tell you, from being within earshot of Jesus praying. He heard the words of our Lord as he cried out to God, all things are possible with you. I don't want to drink this cup, but not... As I will, but as thou will. Your will be done. Now I got to tell the kids, listen, you got to understand this. If Jesus would say, God, your will over my will, and he's facing the worst thing that's ever going to happen to him, what should we pray when we're facing bad things? The same. God, you know. When we're facing good things, triumphs, what should we pray? The same thing. The reason we should pray this is because there is an inherent knowledge that Christ had. There was an understanding that we need to let sink into us. See, I asked the kids, I had a question for you. If you pray for God's will over your will, is God's will better for you or worse? Is he going to wreck your day? If you say, God, let's go with your will over my will. Because he just wants to destroy all your fun, right? He's, he's the big potty pooper. He's going to ruin it all. No. Now, he in his will may steer you away from some, some vices or some sin or some snares that would so easily beset you. Because it's his will that nobody perishes. And he doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't even want you to be caught in the trespasses and the, and the bonds and fetters of sin. He came to set you free. Jesus said, the person what the Son sets free, he who the Son sets free is free what? Indeed. You are free indeed when Christ sets you free. But Peter learned. In this night, he heard Jesus pray. God, I don't want to do this horrible thing. They're going to beat me. I don't want to suffer this. Yet I have a question for you. Those of you that are familiar with church history, how did Peter die anyway? Because in 2 Peter, he says in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, that the Lord Jesus has made known to me that the time of my departure is at hand. In other words, I'm, I'm getting out of here. He knew from the Lord himself. He said, this is it, guys. The Lord has made me know. That's right. He was hung 
on a cross, but not the same way as Jesus, upside down. He even, as they began to say, well, oh, you're one of his followers? We'll kill you the way we killed him. Let's put him on a cross. Do you know that Peter would actually entreat the ones that came to crucify him? He'd say, listen, excuse me, I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. Could you turn me upside down? And they went, oh, that's even better. You know, let's really make this dude suffer. Let's crucify him. And they did it. This is in the history books, guys. Peter would actually be crucified upside down. But how could he face such a thing? If this whole Christianity thing was a hoax, would he have gone to that cross? And I mean, if this, you know, somebody would say, well, this Christian stuff's all a bunch of baloney. Boy, it's interesting for baloney that how many of the early disciples were martyred for their faith? Almost all, right? I mean, a huge majority of them died for standing up for their faith. And if it's a, if it's a hoax, a bunch of baloney, wouldn't somebody cry baloney? Sorry, it's just a bunch of baloney. We made it up. I don't feel like dying, right? I mean, come on. You think we're all that much a glutton for punishment? No way. We're all wimps. I tell people I'm allergic to pain. I don't do pain well. I don't even like it let alone to be crucified upside down or to be beaten. Or like John the Apostle, they tried to boil him in oil. Put him in the oil, bath of oil, boil, to boil him to death. Do you know what happened? Didn't work. It's like when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. It says they, they were in there, and you know what's interesting? When, when the king looked in, he said, didn't we throw three guys into the furnace? Yeah, how's that? What's that other person doing walking around? There's a fourth guy, and he's he's got a visage like he shines like like the son of God. Didn't we throw three guys in? They're like, yep, King, we threw three guys in. How come I see four? And then you guys know the story, right? He says, "Come out, Shadrach, Meshach, come out." I've always joked that if I was in the fiery furnace and I wasn't burning up, I would say, "Come on in and get me." Because when they came out, do you know the Bible points out to us? It says that not even the smell of smoke was upon them. Not even the smoke. I, I, I cook on my little cooker at home, you know, and there is no way to escape it. You know, I'm out there grilling. I come in, my wife, she always gives me nice, oh, honey, you have your... My favorite cologne, Eau de Camado. Camado's that clay oven thing that I cook on. She's like, yeah, that's my favorite smell. But how do you even be in a furnace with no smoke on you? Not even the smell. God can do How many things were possible with God now? Let me make sure you guys got this. Whoa, so do you think God could really keep guys from burning up in that fire? Or, or when they boiled John the Apostle in oil? And he just went, ah, oh, come on in. The jacuzzi is fine. They couldn't burn. They banished him to the island of Patmos where he would, where, you know, the Lord wasn't done with him. He still had another book to write. The last one we have in our Bible called the book of Revelation. Given to the apostle John while he was on the island of Patmos. After they tried to boil him in oil. You know, he doesn't even mention the oil thing. I just found that out from the history books too. 
This is no big deal. I believe these men came to learn something we need to learn. That all things are possible with him. But Peter is pointing out something Jesus... Mahalo for joining us. If you'd like more information about us, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com, and click the link to follow us on Facebook. That's AmazingGraceKona.com. Mahalo, and God bless. Thank you.